Welcome to Steve's Rules, a periodic podcast featuring Steve Nelson, Executive Principal at McCormick Group in the Law and Government Affairs practice. My name is Marie Coffey, and I am the Principal of M. Coffey, a law firm marketing and business development boutique. For more information, please visit my website at mcoffee.net. Steve has been an executive recruiter for nearly three decades, and without naming names, he is ready to spill the tea on best practices and maybe a few not-so-best practices by firms and candidates that he has seen during his career recruiting some of the most driven and successful professionals into highly profitable and growing firms. Steve is a former lawyer and journalist and is a fellow of the College of Law Practice Management and a proud son of Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Full transparency here, Steve has helped my career immensely through the years and has become something of a career shaman to me, and I know many others. Well, welcome back. Uh, Hi, Steve. How are you today? Good. How are you, Murray? I'm great. I'm especially great because it's the first day of uh, of summer. Uh, So so here in Texas, it's uh, over 100 degrees uh, already. So... (laughs) Well, you wouldn't know it's summer here. It's like 65 degrees and raining. So Yikes. who knows? Yikes. It's been it's actually been a very cool spring. So which I, I I'm fine with. You're probably fine with, of course, as am I. So uh uh before we dive into today's topic, which is really you know kind of the six things you as a firm need to be doing to prepare yourself for lateral recruiting, maybe seven. We'll see where we go with the conversation. Um I did see today, uh, Steve, that the uh, your DC lateral market report for May is out, and uh, uh, these are these are you know must reads for people who are in the market looking for lateral recruits. So, Steve, if you wanted to just give us the 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 top line highlights, maybe a trend or two that you're seeing coming out of these numbers, and then if people want to subscribe, how they can how they can subscribe. Okay, so. Um... Uh, May was a um, was a pretty busy month for the lateral scene in Washington, um, and overall for the, this year, uh, the number of laterals is up somewhat, not not significantly, but maybe five percent up from uh, from last year. Uh, the interesting thing uh, that happened in May and is actually reflective of what's going on throughout the year is that uh, there were two large group moves that really keyed the growth in May. And, and we're seeing a lot of large group moves and those are uh, different varieties. Ones are uh, mergers, there have been a fair number of mergers. There was not a merger last month, but there have been a lot of mergers. Dissolutions where large groups of lawyers tend to go to one firm and then uh, spinoffs. And there was a spinoff last month and there was also a, a dissolution that uh, led to 15 lawyers going to another firm. So I think that's the trend that's going on. We're talking, we're seeing more group moves, more to large group moves, many times a, a whole firm or a, a large segment of a firm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I know that, um, that in, in, when I've been involved in, in lateral recruiting, uh, the, the highest level of success, frankly, that we saw of, of laterals was when laterals came over in a group three, four, laterals at a time um it just seemed that that they were able to get going faster and had a sort of had a built-in some built-in capabilities so i'm I'm not surprised to see that that's on 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 the upswing right and that's the gold standard is to try to get groups you know two partners three partners bunch of associates etc that's the gold standard right uh doesn't always happen but that's uh, what we do one other thing i just want to note for our listeners 
If you're interested in subscribing to our reports, we do one for DC, we do one for Texas, uh, just uh, reach out to me uh, at the McCormick Group um, and uh, I'll put you on the list. Super, and maybe at some later date, we can talk about what's going on in Texas. That's a you know giant jurisdiction. I'm here, I'm in the middle of the of the craziness that's been going on for the past few years. So, uh, so I'll be I'll be interested in having that discussion. Well, today, Steve, uh, we're teeing up a, a discussion about uh, really uh, what firms need to be doing to, to prepare themselves uh, for uh, really engaging in smart, uh, strategic, uh, lateral recruiting. And and I know there's there's about six or seven different areas that you and I've talked about. Um, that you've seen. And this is borne out through lots of experience that you've had in watching, frankly, failures, frankly, weak performance, and sometimes really strong performance. And I know we like to lean into the positive. So let's talk, let's start a little bit. Um, so I, I think one of the, the things that we talked about was focusing on the, focusing on why, this is, this is sales stuff here, why the, uh, the, the lateral candidate may want to join your firm and talk a little bit about that. That's a, that's somewhat different than than how the firms usually approach it. So talk, t- tell me a little, little bit more about that. Yeah, no, I think uh, you, there are really two different aspects of this. One is the practice. Whatever practice you're looking to recruit in, uh, you have to put your best foot foot forward as to the nature of your practice, the advantage of your practice, where you stand, uh, what's in it for for a recruit. Uh, to join a practice. Sometimes it's, it's a succession issue. You've got a partner who's about to retire. You bring yep. in somebody who can take advantage of those relationships in time. But there may be different, uh, different, different stories that are involved. The second is the firm itself. And I think that's where it's tougher for firms to really get a grasp on it in terms of what is what is unique about your firm. We, we just mm-hmm. hear the same things over and over again. We're collegial. We're collaborative. We're entrepreneurial. Well, that just doesn't cut it. It's got to be much more granular, much more specific about what is the uh, DNA in your firm. Yeah, and I, I <laughs> that those uh that those those three those three big words, you know, collegial and all the rest of it, those seem to be ingrained in the in the uh, neural synapses of, of law firms that can't break themselves away from, from from saying that. And and maybe you know this is actually a, a good pivot into um, the other topic that we talked about, which is working with the marketing departments uh, before the before the firm is is hitting the lateral market in a in a big way. Can you talk about why that would be uh, and and how marketing departments themselves, marketers themselves, can add value to the process? Because frankly, I don't think a lot do. Yeah, no, uh, uh, we often see a, a little bit of a of a, a barrier between the recruiting team and the marketing team. We're not mm-hmm. seeing them interact that much in terms of uh, our role in helping a firm uh, really put together the case for, for laterals. Uh, and your marketing team, I mean, that's that's what they do. They are focused on communications that really uh, distinguish your firm from others when when you're going after business, when you're going after clients. So the same thing kind of applies. It's a little different uh, uh, view of it. Uh, the re- recruits are a little different in terms of how you do it. But but the marketing department can really get you a lot of ammunition that you need 
that 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 firms often overlook. Yeah, and I will tell you that that from my perspective as a CMO at a number of different Amlo 100 firms, where I worked directly with the recruiting teams, um, and I'll, this is maybe more of a message to the recruiters and the the heads of marketing out there. It, that this comes from the top, even if the the, the market or even if the management partner says you must work together, that's that kind of must do stuff won't actually cut it. The, the 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 CMO or the head of you know director of marketing and the you know chief recruiting person or, or director of recruiting, they need to get together. They need they they first need to to build those bridges uh, between each other. And I think pretty quickly. Um, most marketing folks will figure out that what the recruiting team is doing is sales and right. and marketing and yeah. and they become a they become a fantastic if they're your allies they become a, a fantastic new channel for the firm's brand the firm's brand is going to be in that in that recruiting channel no matter what but if you are able to work with the recruiting team you can really develop some 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 great messages and uh, some great relationships. Uh, you know, some of the tightest relationships I had uh, over the years came with people who were who were the recruiters. Because I just right. Let me was... just add. Let me just add yeah. that a, a, there have been a couple of instances uh, where I've worked with um, uh, directors of recruiting who came from the marketing side. They worked in the yep. marketing department for yep. a number of years, yep. and invariably, those were the among the most effective recruiters mm-hmm. that I've worked. With. Mm-hmm. Right, because as a head of of recruiting you really you your recruiting can be a kind of a mechanical process on the back end um and that can that can absolutely absolutely has to be done um but the heads of the of recruiting need to need to kind of set that tone and i think it gets set well and i've seen that successfully happen multiple times so yeah you're absolutely right so let's go back to um messaging a little bit um you talk. Uh, you talked to me about. Uh, and I always think this is kind of interesting. Uh, in your messaging, uh, first step is to describe what you're not. So, talk to me about what the not is. What that not is all about. Right. I, I think that um, if you get a bunch of lawyers in a room uh, and they talk about their competition. It will be very helpful to learn why they're not like X firm or Y firm. They will invariably talk about this firm and they'll say, you know, they'll say negative things about their competition. Some of it's hubris, but some of it is is grounded in some level of truth. And therefore, you get a feel for what you what you are by defining what you're not. And it might be something like, uh, you know, we're not all things to all people. It might be we're not, uh, you know, our, our, you know, we're not all about dollars. We're about human values. Other than that, it, X firm is just, you know, all they're doing is, you know, raking in the money. Um, it, it will get you somewhere in terms of being able to describe, you know, who you are and what you value. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's right. And it's a good exercise for the partners for the recruiting folks for the marketing folks to act to to engage in the sort of what we're not um and it's kind of hard sometimes because law, law firms want to be everything to everybody oftentimes and right. you and i both know they're not and right. uh you know a lot of firms have 
what I heard a consultant once talk to me about, which was which is the peaks of excellence, so, which I thought was a, a very politic way of, of talking about uh, talking about the the, the what a, a certain firm was bringing to the market. Um, now, here's something uh, that you and I might have a little bit of disagreement about, and uh, that is in terms of the qualification of the firm and sort of what is important in qualifying the firm in the eyes of the laterals. And you you lean into awards, accolades, et cetera. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that, and and uh, and I'll share my thoughts on what I how I how I view that, which is maybe a little divergent from yours, but please. Yeah, but I think uh, I believe that awards, at least the ones that are regarded as valid by most observers, um, are important because attorneys are tend to be uh, they're very skeptical and they tend to be very analytical. That's why they went to law school, and therefore backing up a claim that your chambers rated number one in X is is very helpful to you um, now. Uh, I will say uh, that some of the rankings that are out there are not worth a whole lot. And you've got to be careful about that because some lawyers already know that super lawyers, for example, is not the most uh, highly regarded uh, accolade that you can get. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree that the chamber and, and, in you know, chambers, as you know, is a, is a big burden for most law firms, uh, most law firm marketing departments. It is a, it is a big piece of work to get a chambers application in so that there is, there's, there's a lot of work involved in that. And that's part of why it's valuable because you don't, you don't get into chambers without having done some, done some, done, done some groundwork. Um, but yeah, uh, super lawyers, best lawyers. What I used to tell the partners with the kids, you know, partners get, Partners get spammed with all kinds of bizarre awards that nobody's ever heard of before. And I would say, look, if if you if you read through the first two paragraphs and the third paragraph is telling you what the cost of the plaque will be, um, you're pretty much you can you can delete that. Uh, you can delete that email. That is not a valid. Uh, that is not valid. And there's others. There's, you know, like benchmark litigation, I think, is great. That's a, that's a really good one. Um, any of the AMLA awards that that you can that you can that you can get in, into are great. Uh, those those are really helpful, especially from a departmental standpoint. Um, those are those are super helpful. Um, but I will say that that I would see that as a secondary qualification um, in in a lot of respects because um, I think, and this is probably the, where we go next is is the um, what most laterals want to know is, am I going to be successful at your firm? And so, so, you know, I think as much as you want to share how great your firm is, how great your, your awards are, success stories, and Steve, I think you, you can, you can get some thoughts on the success stories are really kind of one of the, I think one of the important things. Right. I, I think it's very effective and law firms often put out brochures with this. So they're doing it. Many firms are doing a pretty good job now on success stories, but what I, what I want to see in a success story is. Uh, I want to see the actual uh, methodology as how the firm helped a particular lateral uh, increase their business and uh, more cross-selling and so forth. I want to, you know, I want to see, you know, the marketing and business development team was really uh, instrumental in helping me uh, expand my, you know, contacts or whatever. However it is, I think that the more you can show them how it's done, versus just saying, 
you know, I joined the firm and it's been great and I've increased my business. That's not good enough. It's got to be more about the actual way the firm does it, because that's really the differentiator in many cases. Yeah. Yeah. And I think closely related to that is, you know, how the compensation system is set up and kind of the story that the compensation uh, system will tell. Um, because we can have all kinds of flowery words around everything that we're going to do and all kinds of puffy awards. Um, but when it comes down to it, compensation is kind of where, I mean, to use a horribly overused term, the rubber meets the road for everybody, uh, firms and candidates. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that the compensation system is is a tremendous window into into really what your firm is all about. And therefore, uh, if you can share aspects of uh, of the compensation system, uh, that may help uh, the lo- the laterals understand why it's unique. Sometimes firms have a, the closed compensation system. Many people view that as a negative, that you don't know what the other partners are making. But sometimes a, a firm can explain why that's a positive, particularly for a lateral, because therefore they're not being judged just on their book of business and the other partners aren't, you know, weighing in and saying, well, we're not going to hire this guy. Um, In addition, um, I would say that uh, anything that uh, is unique about your system that sort of keeps it away from the formulaic systems that are less so, um, less than what they used to be, but even a lot of the subjective system, it's one of those things where the originations uh, and the hours you worked are like 98%. I, you know, I, I know of you know some really interesting um, examples, firms that don't track originations at all. Yes, they know, you know that, that certain partners are doing what, but there's no no yeah, impact. Um, and then the other one is, I, I, you know, I know one firm that you cannot get 100% origination credit on any matter. You have to split it up. Nobody gets more than 50% of that origination Mm. and they split Mm. it up so that you're forced as the as the billing partner that you're going to have to show how you're going to share it and i just think that's a really interesting maybe you know it may be that there's some issues with that because if you're doing all the work yourself maybe that's not fair but i think it's an interesting concept well you know what it does i think too is that it incentivizes people not to do all the work themselves which is, I mean, the the where the where the where the money comes in for most law firms is in the leverage, and so being able to being able to encourage folks to leverage is really important, I think, and um, that's a, that's a very interesting uh, compensation model. I'm sure there's more there's more subtlety to it, but it it that that i've never i've not heard that before and i would be very interested in in knowing how that has impacted that firm over over time because that is a, that is a definitive statement in the marketplace um and there are people who are going to run from that and there's going to be people run run to it and uh you know i just it's it's a it's interesting and by the way that would be something that if i was an associate i'd want to know i want to know that 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 kind of a compensation system is in place because that means there's more opportunity for you as an, as an associate um, right. to be sure. Um, all right. Well, Steve, um, you know, one of the things again, and I'll go back to this that I know about you that a lot of people don't know is your, uh, is your side hustle, uh, which is uh, stand-up uh, comedy. 
Uh, you've been doing it for years. And so we like to kind of end on a, uh, on a high note, maybe with a, a joke, amusing anecdote, et cetera. Uh, maybe it even comes from your, from one of your, uh, your standup hunks. Um, but uh, can we, can we close about with, uh, with a little bit on the, uh, on the, on the, on the, on the, the dreaded policy that law firms feel compelled to, uh, to, to publicize that, right. uh, that is uh, that is of, of questionable merit, right? I, I, uh, I think the one sort of statement that tries to distinguish your firm from others that really doesn't work and is and is laughable um, is when when you say we have a no asshole policy at our firm and we don't we don't take them in and we get rid of them, etc. Well, I would say this first of all that if you're talking to anybody who's not a lawyer. They're going to say, oh, isn't that in your job description to be an asshole? <laughs> so, and we know, and, I, and I'm going to just say, I, lawyers are great, and and I, and I find them to be terrific to work with. So it's not that, but but I just think it's a it's a lame kind of situation. And I, what I've found is, and not not true in every case, but often the firms with the most assholes are the ones who are going to say they have a no asshole policy. <laughs> So I, I just don't value it. If I hear it, I kind of cringe. We kind of cringe. Yeah, I, I do too. And that was a, was a, um, we at, at least two firms that I worked at, um, they tried to have that. And I would have a discussion with the managing partner saying, all that tells people is that they're going to be working with a bunch of a-holes. Um, so uh, Steve, we're going to have to put an explicit, uh, 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 you know, letter on, on our, uh, on our, programming for this for this week but uh but i think it's probably worth it. pg i mean i don't think it's worse than PG. <laughs> but um but steve was there anything that we didn't talk about anything that we missed or any pointer that 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 you wanted to make sure that we covered uh, before we close today i think you've hit all the main ones i mean there's there's lots of things that you can add in i'll, I'll mention one that maybe because uh, we were talking about the chambers and the awards. Yep. Uh, I would just, one of the things I would do when I'm talking to recruiters is go to your chamber submissions. That has a lot of detailed information and most of it is public. If, if you put it through chambers, unless you put a, um, a warning on it that says it's not public, that is information that, that you've allowed chambers to see. And therefore you should be able to have your recruits see it as well. And I just think that's a really good, real information about cases and matters and how you staffed it and so forth. So I would go to that. That's something I'd look at before I talk to recruiters. Yeah, and and I think you know going back to the com to how how our how our our recruiting senior recruiting folks and our senior marketing people uh, can uh, can work well together. A lot of the recruiting folks don't exactly know they 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 see the they see the end of the channel. So did somebody get Chambers ring? They don't see what leads up to that end of the channel, and you make a great point that that you know those those chambers those chambers uh, 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 forms that that are filled out are filled with gold, um, and and gold that the that the that the firm that the partners want to be known for. And you're right, it's this, and oftentimes it's very well written. It is it is it is it is shareable. Uh, and and it's used in pitches and proposals. A lot of a lot of marketing departments, even though they know Chambers is a pain, they welcome it in part because they're able to freshen up the the experience 
database with with new experience. So I think that's a great I think that's a great tip. I think it's a great idea, and I would really encourage anybody on the recruiting side to be considering that. And if you're on the marketing side, put that into the mix and say, hey, here's something we've got because I know marketing the recruiting folks are always looking for data, always. All right. Well, with that, Steve, thank you very much. Uh, we will tee up another one of these in, in, in short order. And as always, if you have any questions, thoughts, et cetera, please contact Steve uh, or myself um, and uh, make sure that you get on uh, the McCormick Group's uh, mailing list so you get the DC lateral report, the Texas lateral report, and other kinds of intelligence that McCormick Group, especially Steve, uh, uh, put out during the, the course of, of the year. And I know that Steve and his colleagues are out there speaking and uh, uh, you know, in, in the public eye quite a bit. Well, thank you, Murray. Great. All right. Well, why don't we close and we'll talk soon. All right. Take care, Steve. Great.